0: You know, we're back during the pandemic and just coming out of sort of the early days of the pandemic, after everyone was locked down for so long, there was this, these many stories out there that, that there was going to be a baby bust. There was no way that being cooped up together like that was going to lead to more children. It just wasn't. If anything, it was going to be record lows. Like it was not going to happen. Um, Well, apparently in the US, that's, that's not what happened. They figured out that if you look at the numbers, there was certainly a drop in births. Part of it was because there were so few people coming to the country giving birth, so few foreign nationals there giving birth. They were elsewhere, I guess. I think they're looking into what that could explain in the States, at least. But it turns out women who were American, not American born, American citizens who were there. So the travel restrictions came in and that had an impact. But the fertility rates uh, actually went up amongst a certain group of women in America. And they're trying to figure out why that is. Because clearly, if that's what happened, because it reversed years of trends the other way, if that's what happened, maybe there's something in there that could help um, understand, you know, make make it easier for families to have kids if they want them. And what they looked at specifically, obviously, was was uh, work from home, remote work. You know, if you save the commute, you're there. Um, and that's not just moms, that's parents in general. Uh, that that allows for more flexibility when it comes to having kids. Hannah Schwant is an associate professor at the School of Education and Social Policy at Northwestern University in Evanston, Illinois, outside of Chicago. And he joins us now. Thanks for your time. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. This was one of those stories because I think Last, a lot of us paid close attention to this story. Uh, there was a lot of talk about how being locked up together was not going to result in any kind of baby boom, that in fact it was the opposite. We were going to see a real drop uh, in fertility. Uh, that isn't necessarily completely untrue, but you found that uh, there's more to the numbers than meets the eye.
1: Exactly. So we see that, you know, there wasn't a baby bust or like a strong baby bust as it as would have been predicted. Um but instead, we see some numbers declining, like some declining numbers in 2020, which at first glance looks like, oh, this must be part of the baby bus story. But it turns out to be the declines were too early um, to be caused by the pandemic, right? They were like right in the up following the pandemic. So these were all babies that were uh, perceived, uh, conceived already long before the start of the pandemic. Um, so th- that decline we see, and that is actually driven by um foreign-born mothers who couldn't enter the country anymore and who would in the normal times enter the country to give birth in the u s and they couldn't do that anymore. So that's the decline that we see. And if we instead focus on u s born mothers, so mothers, you know women who who stayed in the country and that we can follow over time well that are not affected by by travel restrictions, there we see a small baby bump um in response to the pandemic. so an increase instead of a dramatic decrease.
0: Which is, which is counterintuitive, I guess, for a lot of us, because um, we that's not what we thought was going to happen. So how much of a bump has it been?
1: So, um, you know, comparable to, let's say, the baby boom in the 60s, definitely a smaller decline, so more like in the single digits or increases in the single digits. So, you know, like five to six percent um, at the end of 2021. But still, it's remarkable that for the first time we see that. Uh, uh, fertility responds positively to a crisis, because typically in, in times of economic crisis, when people lose their jobs, they it's not the time they have more kids or they start a family. So that's the one thing. And uh, the other thing is that, of course, you know, and, uh, we have been already on a downward trajectory for over a decade. So this is the the first major reversal since the Great uh, recession, so that is that is, has been very surprising and 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 a remarkable development for us. Even if the baby bump, as we call it, it's not a baby boom; it's 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 you know it's a small increase in fertility rates, but a remarkable one.
0: Yeah, and just from a more uh, academic point of view, there is a, a strong belief that that fertility rates, if they're better, do, does reflect well on a society, right? That when when people are uh, confident about the future and so forth, they have kids.
1: I mean, yes, Um. in general, we see that economic factors quite well explain actually fertility trends and fertility, you know, fluctuations, longer-term trends. It all is explained quite well of economic factors because, you know, having a child or having an, another child is really one of the most consequential decisions you can make in your life. And people are very aware of that, it seems. So people, you know, are very careful about those decisions. So that way you see it generally, you know, and, and correlated with economic conditions. Um, the other question that you brought up is like: Is, is are more babies better? Right? Do we want to have more births? Do we want fewer births? I mean, these are complex questions, right? And in the sixties, everybody talked about the population bomb. And yes, the world probably can't sustain exponential population growth forever. So, in general, it's good that we that as countries get richer, somehow people want to have fewer children, not more. Um, so that is pretty good news, but in recent years we have seen that you know many developed countries actually fell below replacement rates. So then you know the, uh, populations start shrinking, and from a societal point of view, from a policy, um, a social planner point of view, that's a problem, right? Because our systems are not built for shrinking populations; they're actually more like built on the assumption of increasing populations. Um, at the individual level, you know, is it good or is it bad? Uh, everyone should decide them for themselves whether they want to, you know, have kids or not. But to the extent that low fertility rates reflects restrictions that people didn't really like, you know, opt into willingly, right? And for example, women having getting more education, having greater uh, longer careers. Mm. I mean, these are all great things. Mm. But if at the end, it gets very difficult to have the children that you want to have, then this is not necessarily a good, that is, you know, that is quite clearly a bad thing, right? Right. So in that sense, if part of the low fertility rate is not just that people want to have fewer children, but that maybe people don't have the time to have children, or once they want to have the children, it's too late, uh, then that is also a negative thing. So in that sense, you know, given that we are no longer in the population bump uh, type of world, uh, you know, in the U.S. and Canada and Europe. Uh, all of this increase, like the increase overall, I think is a very positive news and like a small positive outcome of, of the pandemic.
0: Now, we we know that we've been reading once again about tough economic times, right? Inflation is way up in America. It's way up here. It's way up in Britain. It's way up in Europe. Uh, would you expect, I mean, given normal, the normal course of things, that would suggest we're about to hit into another downswing, right, in, in fertility?
1: Yeah, so I think the um but the real big downswings typically come from from increase in unemployment and like full blown recessions and you know that we don't see yet um i think inflation itself isn't you know necessarily clear in which direction that goes but uh, in terms of like fertility but, yeah, I mean, the, the economic conditions, the outlook is uncertain, even though I think we, we always say that, right? It's always, right? it's always uncertain. And there's always like, oh, you know, there there could be some crisis slurring around the corner. Um, I think the question is, you know, how, how what happens to this baby bump as, as we are getting maybe hopefully out of the pandemic? Mm-hmm. So... First, we see in California data where we we can follow fertility up to the end of the third quarter of 2022, and we see that the baby bump seems to persist. And part of that is probably driven by the fact that the you know the increase in workplace flexibility and work hours that uh, we experienced during the pandemic, um, and that probably uh, kind of like. And weaken the the constraints on 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 fertility on a family planning, especially for for higher skilled women, right, with a college degree and so on. And those uh, uh, workplace flexibility increases, they some of them might remain in place, right? And um, because employers learn that this works, employees are demanding it. The technology is there. Um, so there's there's some hope that some of that might 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 remain.
0: I guess what that points out to is that part of the what's what's restricted uh, some women from wanting to have children is just the inability for the that there aren't enough services out there, or that the system isn't flexible enough for for childcare, for for time away from work, maternity leave, and so on hasn't been plentiful enough to make it worthwhile. And now with remote work, maybe some of those decisions are a little bit uh, easier to make.
1: Exactly, and I think. You know, in a sense, society, like, we make, like, progress, I'm always feeling, like, one step at a time. And once we have done made the step, we're like, oh, gosh, we forgot about this other aspect, right? And I think the whole progress we made with, like, um, female labor force participation, yeah. female education, right? That uh, women, you know, they 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 get the same education, even more education than, than men. And, and, and already as children, you know, young girls are taught, you know, you can become anything, right, which is great. And and that's exactly what we want, but at the same time, and um, it puts a lot of pressure on them and like puts them in a very difficult p- position once you have all the education, which takes a long time, and then you started demanding career, how do you fit in children, right? And of course, that is a conversation that we not only have to have for like young children, girls, but also young boys like growing up saying, like, hey, if we wanna have a society where you know where where where, where we where we have equality, then we have to think what that means about family planning, right? And 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 how we can all together uh, uh make 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 that uh, share the burden and and make it happen that women who have long car- long education and have demanding careers um, can still have children right and one part is workplace flexibility another part is is you know the the sharing of the parental burden and by the way you know we are only talking about women having more flexible work schedules during the pandemic this of course was also true for their partners right right of course so yeah. it, it could well be that that the pandemic helped Already to for the man to you know make some of those shifts towards uh, uh, uh joining joining the um uh, or like taking more responsibilities at home, which of course would be another wonderful kind of like development overall. This, and yeah. um, so I think in it's it's this really interesting case where you know there's always a question from a social science point of view, what can we learn from the pandemic? And mm-hmm it's always like a lot of interesting things happen, but then everything happened at the same time, right? So that makes it difficult to to, to isolate individual factors. But I think in terms of fertility, what's interesting is that you know, many factors that happened would actually we have been predicted to decline fertility, right? And take to the unemployment, the uncertainty, and so on. But we see a few factors where we where we think this could have had a positive impact, and we see those overall positive impacts. And the job will now be to to go back to the data, and we are working on this at the moment, mm-hmm. try to really to try to try to isolate those those factors, the workplace flexibility, for example, to see whether it mattered, whether it was for women, for men, for high skilled, low skilled and so on, and, and, and to really try to learn a few lessons and maybe, you know, help make society a little bit better with better policies and and, and coming out, you know, with like some positive lessons out of this really, really, uh, you know, horrible and, and dark time.
0: It is, and, and yet, in some ways, such an interesting time to study um, to study trends because so much, You're right; so much was going on, and there's always so many stories behind those numbers and the sudden change, the the, the drastic change, the experiment we all went through just yeah, to see what the impact yeah, was. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I think, in particular, if we expect something really bad to happen, or like really a lot of births being missing, and then we suddenly say, "Wait, births actually went up," right, despite all of this. That really tells us like, hey, there there, there 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 must be things that we can implement even in normal times, right? That we don't need a, a global pandemic for, for those changes to be made that maybe people can balance their, their private and, and work lives a little bit better, right? And and I think we we in general, I think that that is something we are seeing over the great resignation and so on they're like, hey, we we can envision our work lives a little bit differently and things continue to work. It's not that like suddenly, you know, production is all halted and 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 uh, you know, we are having a big recession or something. So, I think this is these are very you know exciting times in a way. and I find it always amazing when society manages to, you know, even you know facing such a big challenge and such a, like a deadly virus and it was really worst case scenario in so many ways. And still, there seems to be like social innovation and progress. and you know, maybe we can take the right lessons and and and, yeah, have have a, have some positive uh, takeaways from that.
0: Well, I look forward to seeing what you find next. Hannah Schwant, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me.